Please, let us stand for the word of God. Today's reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded of your cleansing as a testimony to him. Yet the news about him spread all more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. God, thank you for the word. Help us dedicate time to a slow down and walk in the ways that lead to your love. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Thank you for reading, James, our scripture this morning. Welcome today, all of you in the worship center, to hear the sermon in the pew. And all of you online to hear the sermon on the couch. So, yes, you know what? Um, this is the first Sunday of Lent, and our Lent service was canceled because of weather. But Pastor Steve put a video online whether uh it's it's on our website and it's on uh, facebook still so i would encourage you to listen to that message it was a really good it was a good message for what faith westwood is going through right now and a good time for um lent let's pray father we thank you for the opportunity of your word today we thank you for all that you are doing in our midst we thank you, Father, for the opportunity today to join together and receive the mark of the cross today as we did not, uh, we were not able to do it Wednesday night. We were also not able to pray for each other um, with the oil on our hand. So we ask you, Lord, to bless that time that we would renew our commitment to you and that we will offer our prayers to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, at the time this story was going on, and Jesus prayed for the leper, certain illnesses would condemn a person to an isolated life. In Leviticus 13, it says, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Leprosy is now called Hansen's disease after the scientist who discovered the criminal bacteria that lied underneath the skin that caused leprosy. More than two million people today live with the effects of Hansen's disease. 
in their life. It affects their body, their nerves, disforms their, their face. Their, they, they lose paralysis. They, they get paralysis in their fingers and their feet. But today, Hansen's disease can be cured if diagnosed early enough. It was so feared leprosy that the weight of the sufferer having to live in exclusion, seclusion, be isolated for the rest of their days. They, how did they support themselves? You ever thought about that? How did they live in community? They couldn't. They had to live isolated. I know I don't like living like that, do you? Living away from family, living away from your community. But if that wasn't bad enough, a leper was considered unclean spiritually. They were unworthy to worship God. They were unworthy to be in fellowship in the temple. Leprosy is a picture of the sin nature. Even though you can see leprosy on the outside, the disease, the cause is underneath the skin. Sin's kind of like the same thing. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Jesus healed the leper. He said, be clean. When he did that, he was not only cleaning the leprosy. Can you imagine seeing this guy with leprosy and it's just starting to heal up and clean skin? Something he hasn't had for years. But when he said, be clean, he was cleaning the inside too. And he said, go tell the priests that you are clean because you had to substantiate a healing. And so he told the priest, I'm clean. Can you imagine being able to be renewed with your family, be renewed with your community, and be able to go and spend time in fellowship? And this all happened because he spent time with Jesus. All right, right now what I want you to do is I just want you to take in a couple of breaths. And we're going to slow down and just let God speak to our hearts today. So just a couple breaths. Jesus was never in a hurry. And he was always interruptible. He walked in full serenity, grounded. We know this because of a multitude of gospel scriptures that speak to this. For instance, the 516 that James read. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Matthew 14, when he heard the death of John the Baptist, he went away to grieve. In Luke 6, he spent all night in prayer alone. Upon uh, waking up, he then chose his disciples. If Jesus needed to withdraw, so do we. We need to unplug. 
The American Christian uh, philosopher Dallas Willard once called hurry the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Think about it. What's the first thing that goes in your schedule when you start to get hurried? Your schedule is behind. Okay, God, I'll see you later. It's decisions that we make sometimes that causes the absence of a time with God. Maybe it's Netflix that got you last night. You know? Maybe it's the snooze button that got you this morning. Do you know that the average person spends 39 hours and 54 minutes, get this, a week on their phone? That's a full-time job. 2.5 billion people have a smartphone. The average time someone picks up their phone is 150 times a day. 66% of people suffer from, you've probably not heard this yet, but malmophobium. Malmophobium? That's the fear of not having your phone with you. So today we're going to talk about some exciting new habits I'm hoping that you will adopt during this Lenten season. I call them the apprentice rhythms. John Mark Comer, the pastor of Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon, he realized he was working too much, he was addicted to his phone, and he just was always in a hurry. So you know what he did? He wrote a book. And it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's like a primer on slowing down. He, he gives you ideas about what it means and what you can do to slow yourself down. So what about a book called Three Mile an Hour God? Do you know what three mile an hour is? The speed of walking. Three miles an hour. This guy's name is interesting. He's a Japanese theologian, Kosika Koyama. He says God walks slowly because he is love. Jesus is walking the speed of love. I imagine Jesus when he was walking toward that leper, walking to him slowly, catching eye to eye. What do you want me to do for you? And touching him. That's the speed of love. The speed of love is slow. The speed of love is an inner speed, a spiritual speed. Cosima says, if, 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 if God were not God, he would have walked a lot faster. I like that. He walks slow. I was born in the barrios of East L.A. You just got a picture in your mind. And that's about it. It was a crazy pace of life. Fast, crazy cars. There was no slow lane in L.A., not at all. And in school, no different. We had gangs, lunch hour ambulances, after school fights, and a lot of peer pressure. But you know what? In high school, I found my voice. I found the joy of singing. I remember singing in the choir and all the dark emotions that were going on in my head and the distractions. 
quieted down when we were singing. My home life, it was quiet because my dad wasn't there. He left when I was four. And my mom, she practiced the dark arts. So I learned to read my environments really fast. And I learned just to be quiet. But I found a solace in a small church in East L.A. Across town, sneaking rides to and from to get there. And I remember going in this place and listening to the congregation singing in unity. I'd never heard anything like it. And it got my attention. And I remember just feeling that safety in that place. And I remember the wonderful smells from the basement kitchen of the menudo and the Mexican pastries. Matthew eleven twenty eight in the Message Bible says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch what I do. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. You know, when I was in that little church, I love what I heard, I love what I saw, but I, and I loved God. But I didn't feel like he loved me. Why would he love me? If my parents found me unworthy to be loved, why would the creator of the universe want to love this dumb girl? But isn't God good? He is so faithful. He showed me he loved me. My mom found out I was going to be singing, so she moved us to the high desert. And um, I realized I could not not have this in my life. I found a joy that nothing, no one could give me but God. You know, um, Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Bible, writes in his book, Working the Angles, the biblical fact is that there are no successful churches in the Bible. Why? Because we're broken people. We're broken people. But we're broken together. And God loves our brokenness. He loves to fill us with his joy. And I'll tell you, when I walk in that door, you encourage me to keep on going when life hits hard. And I hope I encourage you to keep on going when life hits hard. I love the story of D.L. Moody. He was a great evangelist. He wrote a list of a hundred names of people who captured his heart. And he would keep those names in his pockets throughout the years. And morning, noon, and night, like a rhythm, 
he would pray for people on this list. And at his funeral, it was known that 96 of those people had come to know Jesus, and he got to check them off his list. And at his funeral, what happened to the remaining four? The power of God, the power of God, those people surrendered their hearts to the Lord. But let's be real. Have you prayed for something and you felt like it was ignored? Have you prayed for something and you thought maybe it was even rejected? Some say, why pray? What's the formula? Does he listen to some and not others? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I do not have that understanding. But I know that there is unanswered prayer in the Bible. In 2 Samuel, King David was praying all night for days while his son was dying. He pleaded with God. He fasted. He didn't eat. He was king. And then he noticed that some of his people were whispering on the side. So he figured, he thought, is he dead? He said. And they said, yes, he is dead. So what did J David do next? You know what he did? He got up, took a shower, put on some clean clothes, and went to worship the Lord in the temple. That's what he did. We find comfort in community. We find healing in the love of God. In community. Jesus gives us an example of the rhythms of retreating from the world. Resetting with disciplines and re-entering with renewed strength. Really important. Jesus gives them this, an example of the rhythms of retreating from the world. That's what he did when he went off in verse 16 and he prayed. He retreated. He spent time with God. And he was resetting his love for the world, his renewal. And that's what we're going to do today, some renewal, some recommitment time. And then he re-entered into the ministry. And what happened next? It was the story of the paralyzed man dropped from the ceiling of a roof because they heard the healer was in town. And the scripture says that the power of the Lord was upon him. The power of the Lord was upon him. He spent time with God. Corey Tim Boom says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. He'll make you busy. And so I'm asking us today to think about opportunities to create rhythms of the apprenticeship way. You're an apprentice if you're a believer in Christ. You're an apprentice of Christ Almighty. You know, you have a toolbox this is one of my tools. I made this. This is a Christian prayer bracelet. 
And I use this especially during Lent. I just sometimes just want to hold it and it gives me that pause. Not too long ago, the Lord started waking me up, well, about three years ago, between 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning. Gasp! I'm not a morning person. And I either figured it was a sick joke that my body was playing on me, or it was, hey, Donna, wake up. I tried meditating. I'd fall asleep. Have you tried meditating? Yeah, it's not easy, but it's something you have to work on as an apprentice. You keep working on it. You keep working on it. I downloaded an app called Insight Timer, and I searched Christian meditations for beginners. And I still use it today because it helps me to know what I am doing as an apprentice of Christ. So, retreating. Wake up a little bit earlier. You know, I, I make a seven-minute coffee now. What does that mean? I literally threw away my really fast coffee maker and I pour over hot water slowly into my cup and while I stand there and smell this incredible coffee I say the Lord's prayer sometimes I say the serenity prayer it keeps me focused Sometimes we just want one more convenient thing to go faster, faster, faster. And we need to slow down. These are the disciplines of resetting. When Jesus healed that leper, he was ready to rock the world. Is that what you say when you get out of bed? I'm ready to rock the world. Greg Rochelle, the pastor of Life Church, says, Do not forsake your quiet time with the Lord. The truth you store up in silence mm, comes back to you in the storms of life. Recently, a friend of mine said to me, Donna, you just, there's just something softer about you. I might have taken that as a dig before. But I like it. Because these last three years, I've been through hell. I've been through a lot of hell. I'm sure you have too. We got people who are diagnosed with cancer. We have people who are, who are fighting amongst each other. We've got people whose families are becoming divided. That's hell. God is here. He's listening. Do you know what Omaha Potholes and uh, Code 3 Ambulance have in common for me? Every time I see one, I pray. Every time I see a pothole, I pray. I got an old car. But in 1980, I saw Code 3 ambulance drive past me. I was out doing some errands for my boss. I later found out that ambulance had my son in it. My three-month-old Benjamin. My firstborn. 
watched that ambulance go by me, and I couldn't do anything about it. I don't know why. That's an answered prayer. But God held my tears. He holds your tears in, your, in his hands. Every one is not wasted. Every tear you shed, God says, you are mine. I love you. I am walking with you. I can't answer, but I know what I know. God is with us. I, I pray some silly prayers. One time I was driving in a car with my friend Edna, <laughs> and he was, the parking lot was full, and I said, God, I want a parking spot. Please, can we have a parking spot? We're late. Edna looked at me like, you got to be kidding me. And boom, car pulls out. We pull in. I look at her. She never teased me again. <laughs> she even said, Donna rides with me, everybody. She's got parking lot angels. You know, I don't know. I don't know why. But God is good. Meditation. Try it. It's going to be hard at first. Anything that's worth anything is hard at first. Meditating. Turn your phone off. Get up a few minutes earlier. Drive in the slow lane. Create one. If there's not a slow lane. I don't think there is one anymore. The pace, the way that people drive. So, after my friend said, you look softer, I want to tell you a story, and I want to show you this video. She asked me to join her at the gym at 5 a.m. in the morning. I said, are you kidding? Except for God was waking me up, right, three years ago. And she said, Chris, let's go ahead and fire that. She said, let's go boxing. Boxing. I'm the oldest one in the gym. But you know what? On that speed bag, I caught myself saying, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. As the speed bag hit the wooden frame around it. And I'm boxing my trainer there. And I see the rhythm of retreat, reset, and re-enter. That's an apprentice rhythm. That's in your toolbox. It's you that has control of this toolbox. Set up a place like this in your home. I'll send Vicki over and she'll set it up for you. A Bible, a devotion, a cup of water, a comfortable place. But what's most important are your reading glasses. Don't take them off somewhere else. Leave them there. What's most important 
is that you wake up in the morning when your feet hit the floor. God, I'm here. I'm ready. And he will walk with you. Today we're going to renew our relationship with Christ. We're going to have the opportunity to be prayed for. So, get ready. Do some business with God. He's not looking for glorious prayers. He's looking for prayers to just say, Jesus, if you don't know Christ, you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. I want to know you. Because if he can save a dumb girl like me, he sure can save a beautiful soul like you. So let's pray. Father God, you are worthy to be praised. I love hearing the congregation sing in unity. We are to be still and know that you are God. Help us to join you in this rhythm of apprenticeship. Fill our toolboxes up, Lord God, with ideas of sitting in the doctor's office and, and just being still in your goodness. Help us to find that, that silent place. And even if we just say, Yahweh, Yahweh, call out your name. Lord God, you are so good to us. So I would ask you to stand up, and we're going to go out just like communion. Just move there to the left, come up, and we are going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Give you the ashes.